Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Margaret Tharp from Landscape Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Radio College Show. Okay. 586-1800. You can be on the air and talk to us about landscaping and gardening. There's a phone call in already. Good morning. Good morning. I saved some seeds from Sitka roses last fall. I got all the flesh off, dried them, and then stored them in plastic bags, and I can't get them to germinate. Look up germination and inhibition on the web, and you can find a table that tells you what temperature you need to. It's called stratification. You put them in wet sand and put them in the vegetable compartment of your refrigerator. Next year, when you do this, rather than let them dry all the way out, once you've got them cleaned, then you store them in the wet sand and let them be, I don't know how many months, I'm not looking at the table now, but it takes a while to break down the dormancy factors in it. All right, great. Thank you. No problem. Talk to you later. And go ahead and try it this year and see if any of them come to life. That's what he was saying. Yeah. Okay, so Landscape Alaska on the air. This is big show number two for 2021. (laughs) The big shoe. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about some landscape and gardening things, and we're going to invite you to come and join us at Juno's Boutique Nursery on the Back Loop Road. We are above Goat Hill, and we're going to be open on Friday, and then we'll be open for the rest of the summer. Just weekends at first until we get some more staff, which brings up a very important subject. Or by appointment. A very, very important subject. We need to hire more people. I know that everybody in town says the same thing. Labor's in short supply. But if you like this kind of work, if you like vigorous outdoor work, and you want to have an education of the absolute best kind you can get knowing this kind of stuff, get in touch with me, Landscape Alaska. You can contact us through the web, landscapealaska at gmail.com. You can go on to our website, which is beautiful, by the way, and that's landscapealaska.com. Okay, now that we're done with that, I want to talk about all the things I don't get to keep for myself that came in our shipment. Our shipment is really cool. Really, really cool. So we decided this year, you remember back about uh, two months ago when it seemed like winter was over and it got to be all springy and summery? We thought, well, we'll just get right on it right now. (laughs) And we ordered a gigantic shipment to come in. And what do you know? It snowed for a month. (laughs) We couldn't even unload it out of the container, but it was fine. It fine. It all froze solid. Just came back to life now and i tell you unloading it um uh, we unloaded it a month ago right but then put it into our greenhouses to let it come alive now trying to get it to come into bloom at the right time of year you know well we're making it a longer season for them because down south it gets warmer faster and things do bloom earlier but we have some really pretty things. And one of the things that's in full bloom right now are the very earliest rhododendrons. And these are called PJM. And right. they're named after the guy that bred them. But they are absolutely stunning. And they're just they're cracking hot, color right hot now. pink. And I'm going to put their pictures on Instagram today once I get back to the house I want them the radio all show. for me. You but can't I don't have them. Have them. <laughs> you can't have them. You have to share. I think making a hedge out of those would be absolutely beautiful yeah and they're, I think so too. they're three and a half feet tall now and they're a different kind of rhododendron they don't look like the the big fat 
floppy kind of rhododendrons you see. These have have stems that stand straight up. And and uh, leaves that turn dark maroon in the wintertime if they don't fall off and then grow new green ones in the summertime. They're a cross between an evergreen and a deciduous rhododendron. And so they do that. They drop they drop their leaves before they flower and then they grow new leaves. Right. They're really, really pretty. Yeah. But the color on these are just stunning. Look up PJM rhododendron on and the internet. These particular you'll have an ones idea. are called PJM Regal. And they're really pretty. Yeah. They are. And they're incredibly hardy. And our flowering cherries. They're not blooming here in town yet, but our flowering cherries came bloomed in the container and they're still just blooming like crazy right and these are the trees that are around the library in the valley if you also if you live downtown there's a huge one by the side of the stairway that goes up to calhoun street along the side of the fireweed fireweed place Mm -hmm. fireweed place it's part of the millennial grove that's planted by the the forestry people and uh they're really pretty here. They don't fruit. They are only a decorative cherry that uh, blooms pale pink flowers and uh, grows. What I, one of the other things I love about them being a maintenance person is they have real slender leaves. So in the fall, when they go to drop their leaves, they usually blow away, <laughs> which means you don't have to rake them. You don't have to rake them. <laughs> but, so not only do the bears not come and tear them up because there's no fruit on them, and they are also the very first tree that blooms around here. You know, they're really pretty. They are just beautiful. And you know, uh, there's and the university look- you've planted a bunch of them at the university. Oh, a whole bunch of them at the university. I love them. I absolutely love that sense of it springs here. All of a sudden, spring is here. Well, you know what the old timer said was spring was here when the ice on Auk Lake melted. And it's only halfway melted so far. <laughs> I kind of glare at it every day. That helps a lot. <laughs> uh, roll down your window and shout at it. We're enough of you, enough of you. That's right. Okay, so there's also the, what came in in our shipment this year, and I spoke about them a little bit last week, are these new roses called Miracle on the Hudson. So, you know, all over the world, plant breeders compete to see whose new introductions are going to be the most well, successful And things. aren't roses one of the longest cultivated you got flowers it. in you the got world? Col- the longest All the way flowers. from before medieval times. Oh, in the earliest days of the Chinese empire. Right. You know, there are, there are silk paintings and ceramic depictions of roses way, way old. You know, thousands of years B.C. And so, do you think they had a different kind of fragrance 3,000 years ago than they have now? Well, I do know that (laughs) in the 1600s, they began bringing roses from China into Europe and breeding them in with the European roses. And that that aroma that we now associate with roses roses is the Chinese aroma. Mm -hmm. And they introduced that into the the hybrid roses and that's why those roses have that really musky deep smell. You know one of the things China is such an amazing place and all the different zones of plant life that and it's huge and the variety and they've been into horticulture forever as far as I can tell and uh there's so many things in our landscapes that come from China. The first agricultural societies. Yeah. 
It's really, really fabulous. And uh, they've given us a lot of positive things. Absolutely, lots of positive. Anyway, this rose that we're talking about is called Miracle on the Hudson. Okay, well, tell me about apples. Where do apples come from? Uh, I know this. (laughs) Okay, well, answer it later. Okay, Um, (laughs) I will. Anyway, this is a call-in show, and if you want to talk about your own apples or your own roses or anything else, please give us a call at 586-1800. 586-1800-KINY's call-in number. Oh, by the way, our Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners is a podcast also, and it is available through the KINY website, and you go to On Demand, and you can then download the uh, podcast. Good morning, conversations. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I, I'm wondering how to get rid of some, uh, oh, not only mushrooms, but a different type of fungus. It's almost like lichen that grows in my lawn. They call it reindeer moss here. Okay. How do I get rid of it? You know what uh, moss out is? Yes. Use that. And that'll get rid of some of them. And then you're gonna, and then some of them you're not gonna be able to get rid of. You're just gonna have to rake them out every t- every time because they are the fruiting body of uh, disintegrating organic matter under the under the grass, down to the ground, like uh, stumps that are buried there or old rotten logs, and those are decomposing. And that uh, thing that you see on the surface is the fruiting body from those things. So it's really you're not. You're going to have to deal with the cosmetic surface, but there's no way you're really going to do anything about what's happening down underground. Right. What about planting more grass seed? I mean, once you eradicate it, will they still just come up through the grass and dominate? They're going to. Well, they'll keep coming back. There's, you know, that's how it is. But uh, if you, I have never tried this, but I'll bet you you can do like an aeration, poke holes in the ground, and try uh, making it more basic by putting lime in it. Okay. And see if that... I can't say that for sure. You know, this is me just speculating. Alrighty. Instead of having to be so acid. Right. So try the moss out, which is iron sulfate, and then then try and make it more basic by using lime for it. Right. Well, I haven't used that for a couple of years because uh, the lawn was, you know, growing so very slowly so I got lazy so I didn't have to mow it so often. Hey, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, now that's fertilizer, my friend. I know. And I, I, you know, I was getting ready to do it and, and the moss out is best applied during the uh, rainy season or when what, the rain is coming down. We use the liquid moss out and it and it works in an hour. I see. You, know, okay, you, well, you I get think. one of those hose-in sprayers and you pour the liquid moss out in it and it doesn't matter what dilution rate you're putting it on at as long as you get a certain amount over the certain number of square feet. So okay. a, a gallon of moss out will do uh, 800 square feet or 1,000 square feet, something like that. It says so on the label, anyway. But so well, you, I was already, I, I already have the, the moss out. I was getting ready to, to apply it anyway to uh, take care of the moss that's in the lawn. Right. Well, great. So, yeah, either you can wait for the rain or, you know, they have these things that attach to your house. They're called hoses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. He thinks uh, yeah. he's funny. But, uh, yeah, you can just hand water, water it down. Because all know? it has to do is okay. dissolve. You don't want it to soak into the ground very far. All it's doing is getting, getting off into the, the grass moss itself. And getting down onto the ground. And well, that brings yeah. up another topic. Thanks for your call, sir. 
Okay, well, you know, when we first moved here, are you still there? Yeah, uh-huh. I am. When we first moved here from Oregon, and my wife and I were unpacking the, the stuff here on the beach in Tea Harbor, and the neighbors were pretending like they weren't watching, and we, I had a rainbird in my hand, and they had to ask me, what is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we use rainbirds in our business, and, yeah. and never have I hired anybody in Juno in 40 years that knew what it was. <laughs> what a rainbird was? That's right. right. Nobody's known. Nobody's ever known. Or how to adjust one. Well, I went to the extreme. I even had one of those little garden tractors that would follow the hose across the lawn down in Oregon. Well, I want one of those. That sounds great. (laughs) I think they have one in the Alaska State Museum now. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Living out in Tea Harbor must be fabulous. Tea Harbor, paradise. I bet it's lovely out there today. Yes, it is. Yeah, no, but it is in there, too. It is. Okay, thanks a lot, sir. Thank you Thanks for for calling. Okay, let us know how it goes. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye now. It is spring lawn treatment time. You know, and, and uh, everybody's out there raking and blowing and scraping and cleaning their lawns. Thatching. You have to thatch your You lawn. have to put the moss killer on before you thatch it. Well, you don't have to. Right. You could, you could do both, you know, because there's plenty of moss out there. Good morning, Conversations. Oh, uh, yes. I like to know the rose hips, uh, rose that we have here, where did that originally from? This comes from northern Japan. Japan, okay, it's gotcha. A, it's called Rosa rugosa. Here they call them a Sitka rose. You're talking the same one with the big, fat, red hips? Yes. Right. So that's, that came originally from northern Japan, and there was an experiment station in Sitka. And the feds set it up to try and introduce ornamental plants. Was that in the 40s? Oh, 30s? the territorial days. Oh. Yeah. Well. And... Uh, the guy's name was um, Gregson. He was a Dane, and it was his job was to introduce stuff, and he brought those. And then in the 40s, they closed the experiment station down, and he said to the people in Sitka, help yourself, come out and dig these things up. And uh, that's, that's why they call it a that's Sitka the, Rose. Yes. Okay. Alaskans I, are completely into it. <laughs> that's right. You okay. know what's interesting? They have that same rose in Ethiopia. And they have that same rose in... In uh, Massachusetts. Which means it's really hardy. It's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, too. You must have been there. No, my grandfather was born in Ethiopia. And he recognized it when he saw it? He recognized that it's the same rose. rose. Yeah. How cool is that? Okay, thanks for the call. I love it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so what Margaret said is really true. It is, it is time to thatch it. And one of the things about uh, lawn care here is that uh, lots of times, particularly on a long winter like this, a fair amount of the grass dies. Not only that, so much snow. It's just me loaded with moss. It is. It, you know, and personally, I'm thrilled to have a moss lawn because I don't have to mow it as much. I'm with that gentleman who called in. But... I mow lawns for a living, and I hate lawns. <laughs> Margaret, you can't say that on the air. I can, too. <laughs> I take care of them. I make sure they're pretty and green all right. and all that, but they're a lot of work is all I'm saying. They are a, really, you're a slave. If you want a good lawn, you are on it every week, all the time. 
If you want a good it. lawn, you're right. You re- and, and lawns look nice when they're really taken care of. Absolutely. And people stop and pull over by the side of the road and take photos of you out there <laughs> as they go get on their boat to go drive around. <laughs> go fishing. Go fishing. That's right. So, but what I was going to say was that so much of the grass will die. And so in yes. order to, to reseed the grass... You need to do something like thatch it first. So the grass the, seed makes it all the way down to the dirt. You got it. Grass seed has to actually contact the soil in order to be viable. If you want new grass to grow, you can't just go out there and throw it around on top of the grass. You have to make sure that the grass seed itself gets down to dirt, and then you have to water it down. Yeah, you can even look. You can just look at people's lawns, like looking out the window over at the park there at Twin Lakes. You can see where the grass is dead in places and where it's not. That's right. And and uh, whenever you buy grass seed, if you look at the label, it's going to tell you what varieties of grass seed there are in there. And if you look at it and it says 30% annual ryegrass, that means that that grass is only going to live for one year. You don't have it a choice there. Good morning, conversations. Good morning. Uh, we are going to do a bed, garden bed, for the first time, and I would really like to hear um, how you start a garden bed for the first time. Are you going to grow vegetables? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah. And do you have a, a sunny area that you can put it in? Yeah. Okay. Great. We'll give you a little story. All right. Those are two wins. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Okay. So the first thing to think about is how you lay it out. You know, before you think about how it's going to work, you think about how it's going to orient, and you want to have it be as, as sun-flooded as possible, and you want to lay it out so that the long distance goes the way the sun travels from east to west. So the sun will be going over the whole bed and shining on it evenly. So you lay out your, your garden bed like that. And you're going to, if it's in the lawn, you have to cut that grass out. You can't just, just put it on top of the grass and think it's going to die. And still put landscape fabric down underneath that because it's really hard to get rid of grass. It is. And grass is persistent. And it'll creep in from the sides. <laughs> yeah. So you put the landscape fabric down and put Cut your, the grass out, then put the landscape fabric right. down. And you make your bed... So it's it's no wider than you can reach to the middle of. So roughly, yeah, four five, feet. Well, five feet if you go can work from both sides, or six feet if you can reach three feet. Three feet. Six I'm just saying, it's big. It is, but it's nice to put a little bench seat on the edge of your bed so you can sit there and lean into it. Absolutely, no sense making it uncomfortable or unpleasant. And having it be at... Uh, it doesn't have to be at a major height. It can be, you know, if you're young and supple and don't have any health issues, it can be two planks high. It's not like you need a lot of soil for that. But having something to sit on while you're working in your bed and doing the weeding and harvesting and all that is make absolutely. yourself comfortable. And standard chair height is 18 inches. So if you have it be close to that, 15 inches, you know, so that you can, can sit on the edge and put a plank around the top that's, that's wide enough for you to sit on comfortably, that's really, really helpful. And then what goes inside it, you know? Uh, Soil is your biggest challenge. Right. And so what we've decided after years of, of doing various kinds of 
of uh, topsoil and soil mixes and, and container and mix and bark mix and all those kinds of things. We make our own soil for those kinds of gardens. And we start with washed sand, clean, local washed sand out of Lemon Creek. And, and, and they have two kinds of washed sand at the AgPro place where you buy this. And one is an imported washed sand and one is local. And you ask for the local washed sand. Right. And that's about half, the, half by volume. And the rest of it is bark, peat moss, compost, chicken manure, all those kinds of organic combinations. In different size particles, so it's not too fine and will still drain. It's most critical that there's no weeds seed in it. It's most critical that there's not disease in it. So stay away from steer manure. Horse manure. And and steer manure. And horse manure. Both of those manures contain undigested weed seeds. Chickens eat cracked grain, so there's no weed seed in it. And if you have a friend who has a rabbit, rabbit manure is the best. That's right. Rabbit manure is the best. And then you're going to have to add lime to it. And uh, you're going to add about a one-pound coffee can size of lime to every cubic yard of soil you mix. We'll give a dimension for a cubic yard. A cubic yard is a space three feet by three feet by three feet. So it's, it's about half of a standard pickup truck bed. Not that you're going to fill your pickup truck up, you know, because you can't carry it full of sand. You know, it's, it's heavy. But up for about that much, for about half a cubic, half a pickup truck bed, you use about a coffee can full of lime. And that's going to be something you're going to add every year. And you're going to use whatever kind of fertilizer you're going to use. Depends on your own particular orientation. The manures that you put in are a good source of fertility, but sometimes you need to add more stuff. And in the wintertime, well, there's two things. It's really nice to be able to have a cover over your bed so that when it does rain horribly for weeks on end, you can protect your crop from all that water because water is very destructive when it isn't controlled. So it can be hoops with plastic works. It can be something more built, a frame with some kind of clear story in it. It's, you know, there are many kinds of things you can look at online to give you an idea of what appeals to you. Uh, and in the wintertime, you want to cover your bed up so all the snow and ice and everything doesn't build up in it also and try to keep your soil dry. And most gardeners here put fresh uh, chicken manure on the surface or compost on the surface in the fall after their harvests so that it's got nutrients in it in the springtime when they start planting. And the cover you put over it for the wintertime should be opaque something that is dark so we don't have weed growth during the wintertime. And one of the things about plastics is that the common kind of polyethylene that you buy at the hardware store will break down exposed to ultraviolet light. So by the end of one summer, it's worthless. If you want to have a cover that you build, like Margaret was saying, a built a built cover that you're going to put on and take off or you're going to keep for several years, you want to use greenhouse plastic that has has uh, ultraviolet inhibitors in it. And then you're then ready. 
You know, you can either plant seeds in it, you can put transplants in it, and you're going to have your cover on it that keeps it warmer and drier. You're going to have to look at the weather and put it on and take it off according to how it goes. Lots of people put, um, like, conduit clips on the outside of the box, and then they take PVC pipe and bend it in an arc over the top, and they take the plastic and stick it on over that with clothespins. And that way the clothespins can be uh, easily enough lifted and, and you can roll the sides up and roll it back down again. You don't want to leave it on. You don't want to leave it on so it's baking your plants. Usually yeah. you leave the ends open so it... Right, it's got to be vented too. I hope that was helpful. So we're, we got uh, five minutes left on our program. The seed potatoes are in. Seed potatoes, seed potatoes. Seed potatoes are in. We have five kinds of seed potatoes this spring. Fingerlings. Yukon Golds, Red Chieftains, an improved gold one, and a uh, white-fleshed one. Five kinds. And they are $12 a pound. And if you want some held for you, send us an email, send me a text, call me up. Or you can come to the nursery today. We're going to set it up. Uh, so people can buy them today because we know people are anxious to plant their potatoes. Uh, we have gotten more calls for seed potatoes this year than ever before. So we've only got 100 pounds on hand. If you want to have some, make sure we get in touch with And us. the thing about growing potatoes is the state really recommends that you only plant seed potatoes that were grown here in Alaska so it's not bringing other diseases into the state on our virgin soils. And it's not just they recommend, it is the power of law. State law in Alaska is you have to plant seed potatoes that are grown in Alaska. Because and the, Alaska and these has, are, and these are. Oh, yeah, these are. These are certified virus-free, right out of the lab, perfect seed potatoes, the kinds that we all want to have. So we have Yukon Golds. We have Red Chieftain, which is a red-fleshed, I mean, a red-skinned, white-fleshed one. We have an improved gold, which is a better-than-Yukon gold gold. We have another one bred in Alaska that's called um, Alaska fingerling potatoes, and this is ones that the potato only gets about the size of uh, two of my thumbs, but they produce tremendous quantities, and they're supposed to be the most delicious potatoes of all. I'm going to plant those. I bet you are. <laughs> I bet you are. And then the, the one that's the, the solid white flesh that's perfect for French fries. Oh, good. We love that. (coughs) So you can contact me through Landscape Alaska at Gmail. You can send your young people that want to work on our landscape crew (laughs) up to us because we're we're ready and we have work and we want people to do it. And you can uh, look at our website, landscapealaska.com, and contact us through that. Or, as Margaret said, drive up and visit. We're at 11029 Mendenhall Loop Road, which is just past Goat Hill Road as you're driving from Ock Bay. We're up on top of the hill. You'll see a steep driveway going up. That's us up there, and you'll want to park off to the right as you come in. There's going to be plenty of action going on today. So this is Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. The podcast will be up on KIMY probably tomorrow or Monday. And next week... All our primroses, I think, will be in full bloom. And we have some really sweet, sweet uh, auriculas, auriculas. And we have some really pretty denticulata. 
And for you primrose lovers, you ought to come look at them. Oh, yeah. We'll have to talk again about auricular primroses. They're <laughs> the most fragrant, the hardiest, the earliest to bloom, and they look like bear's ears. They're leathery-leaved and so bizarre, but fragrant, golly, just beautiful. We got six colors, six colors of primroses this year. Okay, conversation with Alaskan gardeners. Go look. take care of your lawns, everybody. That's right. <laughs> and remember, happy gardening.